We're back in the shed, and you know what I'm wondering today? You know what's really on my mind today? How many of you are in here with us? It's been quite a while since I spent energy, much energy, thinking about whether we're going to become rich and famous, but I'm starting to idly wonder whether we have more than about 10 listeners. (laughs) Anyways, spring has almost sprung. The sun came out yesterday. It was glorious. It was actually somewhat warm. It was a lot more like Vancouver and a lot less like Rossland in March. So that was cool. And we have a whole bunch of fun stuff to talk about today. We've got Oscar coverage. We have our usual long protracted wrestling session with Buddy. Uh, This intro is going to need a ton of editing. That's fine because I'm not doing it. (laughs) It's all staying in. And we hope, actually, we hope no matter how many or how few of you there are, that you're having a good time. We hope you're doing well, because we are, and we intend to keep on doing well, and here we go. While we're talking about dogs, uh, Sue uh, has a walking route every morning, different routes, but she often walks past a place uh, where there's an old guy, and he has beautiful gardens, and she's chatted with him from time to time. And the last time she chatted with him, he had his dog, and he said... uh, not able to walk the dog as much. He's 85 now and the dog's like only six and needs long walks. So Sue said, Hey, how about I do it? So she's been walking this old guy's dog. Oh, wow. What kind of dog? A Vizla. Oh, it's a short haired hunting dog. Right. Exactly. Oh, like fuzzy head. Fuzzy head a Vizla. That's correct. Which was named Amber. Holy mackerel. Wow. Bested. Yeah, so that that's pretty well it. I mean, she's it's the dog's just so excited to see her. Even the first time she showed up, the dog was excited because the dog just likes guests in the house, and now it's even more so. And uh, she says this particular dog doesn't care about other dogs; it just wants to smell mm. and eat. So she'll eat a piece of paper she finds, and she's six years old and still eating stuff but, off the street. But the guy got the dog when he was 79 right and he like he's been in pretty good shape like they have an amazing garden there's no grass there's it's all garden and and so they they've been quite active so but but now they're just finding it a lot harder so the guy takes the dog to the dog park which is only a couple blocks from where they live and it's a good dog park it's kind of like the best in in Burnham. actually one of the best in the lower mainland if you like the kind of dog park that has a fence all the way around it. Oh, so he can just let the dog run. Yeah. And the dog loves, uh, doesn't care about other dogs, but he loves tasks. So chasing the ball, for example, is a big thing. So the guy just throws the ball. I imagine he has one of those thrower thingies, but, uh, and dog gets his exercise. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to when the, my retriever learns to retrieve. What does he do now? Just run? He'll go twice. That's it. Then he gets distracted by absolutely anything but once he loses his balls everything changes did you know that no does he calm down is that one of the side effects? that's yep well that's uh that's something to look forward that's to. a plus for us <laughs> and he learns how to retrieve balls apparently <laughs> it's just good. all part of the package yeah they, they put a chip in. Yeah, microchip yeah. and the retriever gene. <laughs> Engage. They, they revitalize the retriever gene. Well, I don't think the guys, I think one is and one isn't tutored. Oh. And uh, I don't know. 
I find that amazing that a dog would actually not be neutered. Well, maybe they both are. I don't even know. They probably are. I don't even know. Yeah, but I guess since they are always on leash, it's not an issue. But it is an issue in that usually the dogs that aren't neutered are fairly aggressive towards males in general. No. Oh. So. Well, he must he must be neutered then. But he got attacked twice last week. Oh, yeah. And then the daycare turned him down. So, Yep, so it's that time. It's that time. Sorry, kid. I guess they put him out for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty sure they do. So uh, it's only the needle that he has to worry about, and I don't know if dogs even care about needles much. Well, they do. I mean, and... They'll squeeze some money out of you for some tests prior to that because they'll say, well, you know, it's pretty stressful for any dog, even a young dog, to go under a general anesthetic. So we just want to run some blood tests and check his heart, make sure everything's okay. Yeah. And that'll only cost you about 800 because with the old guys, it's 1200 And they do, they throw in an ultrasound and some special drugs. Oh, he's got a heart murmur. I got two dogs, both of them. What are the odds have heart murmurs? It's not that I'm cynical and awful, but... Maybe it's a Chihuahua thing, but Chihuahuas are known to live longer too, so... Yeah, so like, I don't even know. But on the 29th, the second gets his dental work. Mm. So another couple of grand or whatever it works out to. Hopefully it's only a couple of grand. They give you an estimate and the low end is two grand and the high end is 3,600 and it all depends. Well, it's the season, you know, there's a lot of uh, chippers that are running these days. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper. I'm sure I don't know what you're suggesting at all. <laughs> Ever seen that movie Fargo? <laughs> Those little guys, I'm not going to say anything. Oh, bless their little hearts. Yeah. And uh, getting old, real blessing, real blessing. For uh, us people or for dogs? Us people. Uh, how's that helping you? It's not. The old 85-year-old guy can't walk his dogs. I can hardly walk two chihuahuas oh, these days. Oh, that's what you mean, sakes. the old guy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well. No, it'll be all right. I don't suppose you guys have been following the Burnaby situation with the uh, composting facility. Yes, I have. Yeah. I have not. Well, Burnaby's got a fairly large park called the Fraser Foreshore Park. Yes, I know that south park. of us. It's a Great big long strip along the water, along the river. But then at the uh, east end of the strip is actually a big acreage. I don't know, 40 acres or something. I don't know. It's pretty pretty good size. And so city council had decided to build a new composting facility there in the interest of greenness overall, you know, because right now I think the compost has to get shipped to Delta or one of those, you know, Shot into space. Bergs. Yeah, they have to do that. And so they're going, uh, this is a great thing and we're going to, you know, take part of this park. And people have been going, you know, not in my parks. And so I was kind of on the fence about it. I was thinking this is greener. It is an improvement. And I've been down that trail and it kind of runs out. And I'm not even sure people even go there, you know, like, is this for real or is this... So anyway, Sue and I decided to go there yesterday and actually they'd really built out the trail system. I didn't realize. And the place that they were going to place it was the only part of the park that was a uh, tidal flat, tidal meadow, actually. Ooh, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. A tidal meadow with all kinds of 
rats. We actually heard the frogs as we walked through there, which is so rare, right? So you could hear that ribbit or whatever, you know, the croaks that you can tell they're not insects, right? Yeah. So it's great for the raptor population and everything. And Burnaby's got scads of money. Like our tax rates are going up 4% this year, which is below inflation and everywhere else is like 10 to 14 or 15%. So people are saying, you know, why doesn't Burnaby buy one of those many industrial properties down there? That's all light industrial, that whole area. Like that's where the Amazon warehouse is, you know, and stuff like that. So the mayor came out with a communication just three, four days ago, actually, before we went on this trip that said, hey, well, we've had a lot of people who are really upset with our process because the way the process worked was they need many thousands of votes against it. And the only way to get those votes is to mail them in or go in person. Mm. So the odds of getting that many votes in Burnaby, people who care enough to actually mail because these days mailing something's a big deal right where did i keep those stamps again you know so the mayor came out and said hey we've de- i've decided to do my mayoral veto on this and uh the council which is actually a different party than the mayor ooh, but gets along with the mayor because he's a super he's the most popular mayor we've had in a long time he didn't send that out without knowing that the council was willing to. Yeah. Of, so anyway, they're gonna they're gonna redo the the process somehow. So it's looking good. It's looking like we get to keep our little you know field full of mice and whatnot that the hawks and eagles and whatnot get to get to eat. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I don't even know enough about anything to know whether a massive big sort of compost unit. Is it just going to really be horribly noxious and stink like hell and have billions of flies around it and stuff? Is that what's going to happen? And will it cause some kind of disruption to the neighboring part of the park as well? So yeah, all that stuff. Leech, orange peel juice and gype juice. Well, I don't know if it's still going on, but Vancouver trucks it to Lytton. Used to be Cash Creek. That was garbage though. Oh, this is this is compost. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Some lawyer bought a valley or a nice 160 acres or something, and all the green stuff goes up there, and with it goes the rats. So the little valley is infested with the stink. They call them the stink trucks going through town, and it brings up the rats, which I think helps the coyote population I up bet. there. That should help the raptors as well, eh? The raptors, yeah. Yeah. And I know that there was one, I don't know what we were doing in Richmond, but uh, there was one that was like certainly within city limits, but on a really nice kind of a farmland where there's really nice houses down the street who were really upset with the stink. And it, it actually looked quite decent, like the compost gets moved and shifted and then it it uh, combusts and breaks down and keeps getting moved with big loaders and stuff but it just stinks up the neighborhood of oh, course yeah. and so there was uh, protest signs and stuff going on I don't know what happened to that one that was uh, that must have been when I was doing that show in Richmond four six years ago now yeah so the idea is that instead of in Burnaby's case I think it gets shipped somewhere else in the lower mainland maybe Delta and in, in this case, there's a lot of trucks that have to ship it, right? And Stinky so there's, trucks. Yeah, yeah. So that was the idea. But yeah, the smell. I got no idea. I just know that it's finite, right? The 
degree to which you can get noxious byproducts of being alive away from you is finite. Sewage is a noxious byproduct of being alive. Garbage is one and compostable garbage is another. And you just can't keep, oh, let's just put it on a barge and dump it at sea. Like that's been done for years and years and years. Big cities, I bet you they still do it. Mm. You just can't. Related, and you guys are going to love this. Sue was walking past one of the Burnaby. Burnaby has these um, receptacles. Uh, they're kind of like metal frames with three holes. So you choose yeah. your garbage in one, your paper maybe, and your compo. I don't know, not sure what the three are. She saw that, and uh, the service guy had come around, the guy that takes, mm-hmm. collects it, and she watches him open it up. And dump all three of them into the same receptacle. <laughs> well, and you just you just know, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm constantly confused about what goes in which one. I'm never quite certain. Yeah. And then when I look in there to get some hints, yeah. it's just a mess. There's just like, yeah, you know. Everything, yeah. Everything's yeah. in there. And yeah. it's all money-based, right? So yeah. somebody somewhere has a contract to say, yeah, we'll empty those for the recycling or whatever. But they can't make any money if they have to do all the sorting. Yeah. And no. so they don't. They just put it all in the garbage. Yeah. yeah. So don't don't train us. Don't don't have us yeah. spending time training for some future that may never arrive where they actually do get people to properly sort them. Because you'd need a pretty detailed sign. Yeah. And then you would need people to read the detailed sign and, and the likelihoods of those. And then you'd need them to care about it, which again right. is a problem. You know what it needs? An attendant. Yeah. Yeah. Jobs for everyone. Yeah. Team buggies for all. Just somebody standing. Oh, no, the other one, sir. Reeks and wrecks. Yeah, exactly. That, that is good. You imagine the amount of nonsense you'd have to endure doing that? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. No dog waste in here. I was wondering whether people put dog waste in the compost and that might be part of the terrible smell up in Lytton because you're not supposed to, but how many people really pay attention to stuff? They think, oh, dog waste breaks down, right? I think just natural compost is just bad, especially from Vancouver, which meat is included. I think there's a lot of places where meat isn't included. Right. Whereas when people do composting in their own yards, they they have a lot narrower set of materials they'll put in there, right? <laughs> because yeah. they want it to work. They want it to work. Well, actually you, it works with meat and all that no, stuff, but, but they, they don't, don't want it to smell. And they don't want to draw rats and they don't want to draw, right. you know, they, they yeah. are much more careful in their own literal backyard than they are when they just go buy one of those three hole bins. You know, like, right. So we were down there in the Fraser Foreshore Park and while in the neighborhood, we decided to go see, and you guys might've heard of this place cause it's been around forever, a place called John's Jukes. Ever heard of that? It used to be located on Main and Six exactly. or Main and Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Right around there. Oh, and I didn't know that they went someplace. I thought they just disappeared. No. Yeah. They're down on Burnaby now. I guess the rent got too high there. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, we thought, why not go there? John's Juke sells old refurbished pinball machines. They'll also sell you brand new ones if you want them. They also sell parts and services. So, you know, I'm sure that bars and whatnot that have pinball machines have contracts with companies and John's Jukes would be one of those. But anyway, so soon I went in there on a Saturday. I thought, oh, Saturday's when all the hobbyists are off work. It was empty. 
So I don't know. Maybe I'll bet you a lot of pinball hobbyists are retired. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, Any idea on the cost for yeah. a refurbished one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. I saw. They're beautiful, by the way. They do an incredible job. They wax the surfaces. That's apparently one of the standard maintenance items is to keep if you want your surface to last. Uh, they ranged from three thousand to six thousand. Oh well, I was going to suggest we pool up our nickels and dimes and have one here in the shed, but not at three grand. No, but I think we do. We need to talk about that seriously. But anyways, they, they're beautiful machines. I didn't ask him if I could play one because he would have to plug it in, and I, I'm definitely not a serious customer. But they're just so beautiful. Like he had one called uh, Bali. I used to call it Bali, but it's pronounced Bali. I thought it was Bali too, but anyways. Yeah, uh, Bali Wizard, right? So they managed to get a whole machine that's really about Pinball Wizard without oh, with it getting man. around the licensing requirement because yeah. that's quite expensive, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's Bally Wizard. There's a guy, the guy with the beautiful woman next to him. Yeah. He looks like Roger Daltrey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's all kinds of references. And then Bally Wizard is at, at, at one point on the play field in yellow and the word pinballs in red happens to be in the middle. Oh, wow. You know, like, so if you read it, Bali Pinball Wizard, but they, you know, you could tell they have enough to argue in court that, no, no, we just got the word pinball because it's a pinball game. It's nothing to do with the name of the machine. Just yeah. happens to, you know, it's yeah. a busy uh, play surface there. We got only so much room for, <laughs> you could just see it all. Oh, and so the... um Pulp Fiction machine that you sent us was oh. somewhere else. Oh my God. That, I know that's an hour long, so it's a lot to ask. I watched a bit. Did you? Oh. I didn't watch any the of it. The further into it you get, the more you're going, man, we got to we gotta go three ways on one of those machines. It's <laughs> just the most amazing design, right? Actually, they got Quentin Tarantino to license it but Quentin Tarantino is involved in the development as well. Oh. And he's insisting on a number of things. It had to feel like a seventies machine. So it's not one of the crazy modern machines that has 8,000 different objectives mm. yeah, that yeah. take like months and months or years of play before you understand <laughs> them all. Um, just what went into that machine. It's not out yet. Oh. And I'll bet you that's 10,000 Canadian by the time they're done. Oh, I'm going to say maybe a bit more. Yeah, so it's a, it's a little too much, but you got to watch that video. The more, you know, up on top of the machine, they got the two main characters there, uh, Uma Thurman's the character, dancers. Mia, and uh, John Travolta. And they got them on separate swivels so they can both dance separate from each other or together. And they're moving around. They got the two. Oh, that's cars. actually part of the machine. It's part of the machine. The deluxe, you have to, you have oh, to pay yeah, more for it. Right? I'm sure. And that comes on at times that make sense in the game. And there's a briefcase, just like in the movie. And, you know, to get multi-ball, the briefcase kind of lights up a little bit. And then it starts to kind of rumble a bit when you get the second ball locked. And when the third ball locks, it swivels towards John Travolta's character and opens and a light glows out of it. Because I don't know if you remember in the movie. No. It's a key point in the movie. They never do tell us what's in the briefcase, but it is glowing. They have 300 sound samples from the movie, all key dialogue. There's a mode where you can censor it 
or you just let them swear like they do in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy was testing it with his kid, and they shipped a new version of the software, and they didn't have time to record the censored version. Oh. So the kid's all of a sudden saying, take that, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) The mother calls up and says, okay, Tommy, you tell daddy what you just said to me. (laughs) Well, it's funny because all the way through, I'm just thinking, yeah, but the thing with a good machine... Yeah, it's a million bells and whistles, as you've described, as all that stuff is great, but it could still be a terrible machine. That's true. If they haven't done well with the paddles and the tracks that the ball can go through, like a sewer ball, you got to always have a decent shot. I don't mind having one, maybe two ways where a ball can just go and you've got no prayer, but the ones where it just fires it right down the hatch and you've just got no play at all. Or, or there's way too many times when you have no play, you're just going to lose that ball. That, that's not a fun, no matter how many lights it's got, it's not a fun machine. That's why you got to watch that documentary. I, mean, I guess I So they spent a huge amount of time on that as well. So totally oh. independent of all the bells and whistles that are related to oh. the movie, the gameplay, there's a lot of thought put into it. And I noticed the two um, drains on the sides. Every time it got to that point, you'd see the player shaking the table. So that ball didn't go down there very much. And they were also very small. Yeah. The area in the middle seems normal size, which is to say not tiny. Yeah. But it also has a peg that'll come up from time to time. Oh man, there's a lot involved in the gameplay on this thing. And the, the, in this documentary, which is really uh, called a featurette and it is really promotional. Like it's obvious that they're selling this machine. They have all the designers talking to the camera like the sound design, the rules design, the the uh, play field design, the the features design, the artwork. Um, the sound guy is not only sampling from the movie, but he does a soundtrack as well that's separate. Plus, they got licensing to four key songs that are in the soundtrack. Oh, jeez. Like all that stuff. By the end of watching this, they've done a great job of selling it. It really looks like it's going to be an huh. amazing table. Well, I guess I better watch that video then. Well, no, but it is, it's like an hour and it's like, really? But I highly recommend it. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Good, good. Ah, well, yesterday I went for a ride. It was great. Weather was good. Those cherry blossoms are just, you can feel them. They're getting ready. Oh, they're getting ready. They're going to just explode in about two weeks. They're just going to be everywhere. And one of the places I rode by was the waiting pool at Clinton Park, which is at First and Renfrew, and that's where we used to dance, right? Right in the pool, because it's only a foot and a half deep. Nice contained area, dance in there. So I was riding, I got down to about, I don't know, 42nd in Windsor. There's Windsor Park, which I never knew existed. It's a really big park, and it's pretty nice, too. People playing girls' hardball baseball was being played there. And lo and behold, there's one of these waiting pools and it's exactly duplicate of the one at Clinton Park. Yeah. Benches, where the water fountain is, the whole nine. And so I'm starting to think there's probably half a dozen of those things scattered around Vancouver. And they were probably all built at the same time, you know, post-war sometime. As a big machine comes along, stamps them in. Yeah, just poops one out. And I don't think any of them are used for waiting anymore. I think they stopped all that in the 90s and the noughties because some lawyer someplace probably said, 
That's it. We've we've faced our last lawsuit from some kid that cracked their skull in there. Or water shortages. Maybe. I don't know. But they don't use them. And uh, now I want to know. Took pictures. Even the benches are in the same place. You know, the benches are around. There's yep. four benches. And they're yep. all exactly it's the same. the standard same. design. Yeah. Plumbed and I'm sure all of it. It's kind of fun. Well, listeners, uh, in my pursuit of happiness, I felt one of the things I should do is start watching cheesy old movies. And a lot of them are these king ones and warrior ones and everything. So I watched something called In the Name of the King from 2007. And uh, it had a very recognizable cast of a lot of people. Uh, The king referred to in the title was played by Burt Reynolds in probably his last role. Uh, Jason Statham was in it. Ron Perlman was in it. I I can't remember off the top of my head. There was a number of kind of B-list players. Except for Ron Perlman. He's a good actor, though. Well, the thing that was remarkable about that movie is just terrible. The script was terrible. The acting was terrible. The special effects were worse than terrible. And the music was Oh my goodness, it was just awful. And Burt Reynolds, as the aging king, the wise aging just completely implausible, dressed in a ridiculous costume, you know, like the whole thing. It, it really made you think about all those questions about, you know, how did this movie get made? Whose agents thought it was a good idea for them to be in this thing? Because all of those people, except Jason Statham, just vanished from the face of the earth since then. A bunch of them have died of old age, but I mean, it was just, it was just stunning how bad it was. It was bad enough that I stopped watching it two or three times and picked it up again later. And it does make you think, a movie that's just bad, you know, like there's cheesy movies, some Buck Rogers movie, something like that. You know, you know, it's going to be dumb, right? But this thing... I read up on it. It was apparently, it was sort of an answer or a reply or an attempt to cash in on Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. And, but they didn't want it to be too similar. So it had some of the same elements, but not very, it just made no sense basically. Right. They have a, a a species that they're at war with. Oh, it had Ray Liotta as (laughs) the evil warlord who's controlling the Krug (laughs) <laughs> the Krug are subhuman until Ray gets a hold of him and turns him into a formidable fighting force. The whole thing was just nuts. It had forest denizens, people who swung from vines, really super implausible vines. Did right? they have pointy ears? <laughs> no, but they swung from these vines that were very clearly ropes with leaves wrapped around them, sort of like there was just, what is going on here? Who thought this was all good? You know, and you imagine a writer's room where there's a new ca- new group of writers every other week. You imagine funding coming and going. You imagine all kinds of, I just, the whole thing. There must be quite a backstory to that movie, I think. And out of all of those people that were in it, only Jason Statham appears to have come away largely unscathed. He did okay. He, he was terrible in the movie, but oh. his, his career didn't end after it, at least. Oh, no. I mean, uh, Ron Perlman, he keeps showing up in series, and he tends to be pretty good in them. Well, he was brutal in this thing, too. Just, And I mean, you know, it's the old conversation. You only can do what you can do with what you're given to work with. But like Jason Statham's character was named Farmer. 
He's supposed to be a farmer. He turns out to be the son of Burt Reynolds. So Burt Reynolds, that was his last show? I think so, yeah. I don't know that for certain, but he was in, clearly he was in pretty rough shape. It's just the yeah. thing. It's not easy to make a movie that but is. But that is your specialty as, as discussed. You, you act, actively seek out bad movies. Well, I don't know if I do or not, but that one was like, I'll watch a bad movie quite tolerantly, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But this thing was just so wild. Like Ray Liotta as, as a warlord <laughs> or uh, sorry, a warlock. <laughs> I was thinking of Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. Yeah. And the famous laughing scene. Yeah. And it's still the same guy and he's just cheese-tastic. It completely miscast, just like Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds as the wise, venerable, brave, gallant king of whatever. Like, are you kidding? Really? <laughs> just, oh my God. You just watch this whole thing and you just think, wow, wow. Just brutal. Well, speaking of movies, uh... The Oscars were on a little while ago, and by the time that our listeners hear this, it'll be more than a little while ago. I realized coming into the Oscars that I'd actually seen four out of the 10 nominated movies. Well, that's right. You you put on a pretty good push this year to- I uh, did. To inform yourself. Right. And uh, listeners have already heard us talk about Everything Everywhere All at Once, an amazingly good movie, so I won't spend any more time on that, other than it won a whole bunch of the Oscars. And good for them. Top Gun Maverick, if you haven't a chance to see that. I think that's, is it on Netflix or something like that? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I think it's, oh my goodness, you haven't seen that. I have not, no. Yeah, you're busy watching uh, (laughs) really, really bad movies. And, you know, you you quit them halfway through, then you come back to them. Yeah. There's something that draws you to bad movies. Women Talking, Sue and I have gotten it from the library, so we'll watch that one. It seems to be a number of women who look like Amish or something. One of one of those kind of religious sects. And I think they've been treated pretty badly by their men. They're kind of talking about it. The Banshees of Inishirin, we talked about in a previous episode. Fantastic movie. Triangle of Sadness looked pretty good, but I don't know if I'll ever see it. Jenna said it was great. Yeah. The Fablemans looks great. Great too, Steven Spielberg doing a movie about his childhood life, but you have to pay for it right now. So it's off my list. Uh, all quiet on the Western front. You and I had a chance to see that. Yes. Excellent war movie. Powerful. I don't like war movies as a whole, but this one was done so well that I, I made my way through it and enjoyed it. Yes. Quite Horrible, actually, but... Uh, horrible in terms of the events and what they go through, but excellent as yeah. a movie. Yeah. Avatar, The Way of Water, I can't bring myself to watch it. What do you mean you can't bring yourself to it watch it? It just seems cloying to me. What are you talking... They spent $2 billion... You get out there and watch that. $2 billion. <laughs> we have to reward James Cameron. Just anybody who spends $2 billion... No, for don't his For it. his self-indulgent kind of... Yeah. Of course, I'm just kidding. I think it's idiotic to spend $2 billion. In fact, yeah. I think it's quite well, close to criminal. Well, the budget was $600 million, so they, they, they went over budget. They, <laughs> they spent $2 billion, but they didn't plan on it. Doesn't matter. But Cameron's got the kind of money where he just says, yeah. whatever. He know. just says, you know what? Do another round of phone calls. We're short. 
500 million or whatever. Yeah. And everybody just ponies up the door. Oh, thank God. My ship's come in. James Cameron's people are calling me. And of course the technical wizardry is going to be amazing because they progressed a lot since the first avatar. And I remember enjoying the first avatar in the theater in 3d. It was one of the few 3d movies where you actually enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, And you don't lose your consciousness that it's in 3d 20 seconds into the movie. Right. It lasted in avatar for me. It did. I I, was fantastic. The first one. And I'll bet you this movie's a good movie too, but I just can't bring myself to actually I'm teasing you. I totally feel you. I have the same sense. I just sort of think, I don't want to see it really. I'm not that interested. I will when it, when it's free and available and I got four hours. I or guess so. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, Elvis, I saw early in and, uh, didn't think all that much of it, but it was one of the 10 nominated movies. Well, Jenna told me that was great too. Um, I mean, I would recommend it. It just wasn't the same power of these other movies I've seen. Tom Hanks's character as... Colonel Tom Parker, not very likable, but maybe Colonel Tom Parker wasn't very likable. I don't know. Elvis wasn't like, he didn't try to be an Elvis imitator. Yeah. So he didn't have the sneer, for example. Um, he did do a lot of the dance moves and stuff, Yeah. but I just didn't see him as Elvis. I saw him as an actor playing someone like Elvis. So I don't know. Just I don't to, even know what you're, I don't even know what's ideal there. I guess I would rather see someone who looked like Elvis. You'd rather see an Elvis I'd, imitator. I'd like to see Andy Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a serious answer. You'd, you'd rather see an Elvis imitator that could act. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's pretty, I don't even know how I feel about that either. I mean, it's about Elvis. If it's not about Elvis, you just have it some other guy, you know? Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about the biopic of uh, Johnny Cash. And they had some guy who didn't really look like Johnny Cash, but he played him and yeah. it was pretty good. Like it was a good, he, good movie. But then I guess Johnny Cash's whole thing isn't about his iconic appearance or dance moves, really. Whereas with Elvis, it was. So, well, it's possible also that when I watched Elvis, maybe I wasn't, I, it was, uh, it all depends on what kind of mood you're in too, when you watch a movie. And the thing about that show is it's constantly moving it's not a traditional biopic. It does seem to just keep going and change scenes and you're just supposed to roll along with it somehow. And it doesn't do that time switching thing present day when he was a kid, then teenager, then back. It doesn't do that. Does it? Well, it certainly goes back to when he was a kid. I I just can't remember now because it's been about two Mm. or three months. Did they do it out of sequence? I actually can't remember. But anyway, and finally, uh, Tar, uh, that's with Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tar, who's a renowned conductor. And just having watched the Oscars, any snippets of the movie they showed, I really want to watch that show. I just want to, she's, she's an amazing actress to start with and she's conducting and there's a lot of crazy scenes where she's knocking over chairs and the music sounds amazing. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I haven't even checked to see if it's streamable yet. Hmm. So you're, it's the passionate artist thing. Is that right? Yes. Yes. But it looks like it's just looked appealing to me. Um, RRR won for best song and RRR is a three hour and five minute Indian made movie 
about India in 1920 before the Brits left when it was still a colony. Uh, I started watching that. I'm going to finish it too. It's just that it's three hours and five minutes. So I'm going to treat it like three one hour episodes roughly. So I watched the first hour yesterday. They did at the Oscars a fantastic dance scene, a Bollywood style dance. Um, The backdrop, the stage was huge at the Oscars. I forget the name of the theater, but it was huge. Um, And the backdrop is this great big colonial building. And there's a, a, just maybe 40 dancers were out there. A couple guys, the main guys dancing were doing this wild Indian dance style that also reminded me of, you know, Ukrainian dancers or the Russian, Mm. the Russian dancing when they end up only on one foot. Cossack. Yeah. A lot of that, like one foot's kind of doing all these wild kicks while the other foot is jumping up and down. Yeah. Fantastic. Really fun to watch. So. Uh, actually that dance scene shows up in the movie within the first hour. Pretty fun. And if you're actively seeking out bad movies, as I, as my position is that you do, I think you should go for RRR because it's a good, bad movie in the sense that it opens with some text on the screen after the long, long title sequence explaining to you what every lead role was, you know, director of this director of that. For some reason in Indian movies, they decide to put load that all up front. We went on for about three minutes and then they have this text that says, Hey, the caste system was really strong in India. Still is there a little bit really strong in India back in the 1920s. This movie is not meant to be disparaging of any cast, even though we depict them all. And it starts listing all these cast names. So, you know, we're everybody's good, right? And in my mind, as I read that, I noticed that the British weren't mentioned anywhere in the non-disparagement clause. And sure enough, the moment that movie starts, every single Britisher is downright evil. Like completely evil, like always sneering at the Indians. Yeah. And the first scene just opens with this little girl. She's well, about 11 years old and she's doing a decorative henna kind of color henna thing on the hand of a British woman who looks like she's about 40. And at the end of it all, the woman is so pleased. And the next thing you know, they, they say, come with us. And they just basically take the girl from her parents. Yeah. And they, they get in their really fancy cars and drive away and the girls, mommy, mommy, she's crying. And the mother comes and stands in front of the car. She gets run over. It's just, it's just like, oh, harsh. And then, so basically I'll set this up without being any spoilers because this is all established really early in this three hour and five minute movie. We've got our amazing hero who's going to go rescue the girl. And he's so amazing that when they go to capture a wolf, a tiger gets involved and he still fights against the tiger and he wins. And it's all amazing. There's lots of great special effects. Another thing said in one of those early cards before the movie really starts is, Hey, all these animals and it lists them all tiger, blah, 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 about eight, 10 different animals are all CGI. And so no animals were harmed in the filming of this movie. And that said, you can tell they're CGI, but anyway, so all that. And so we got the one guy, right? We got another guy who's also Indian 
and he's a policeman and he's trying to make work his way up. And he's also superhuman. He fights his way through a thousand guys to kind of get a suspect and bring him in. And, you know, they're all around him and they're pummeling him and he just survives it all. And so there's martial arts involved and he's amazing. And so he's been assigned to capture the guy who's going to rescue the girl because they figure out there's a guy who's going to come rescue the girl, but he doesn't know what the guy looks like. And they end up good buddies. (laughs) Now they're buddies throughout the entire movie. They're going to be buddies. And we know that at some point he's going to discover that the buddy is the one who's trying to rescue the girl. That's the setup. Really fun. Huh? Lot. I mean, at first I thought, I don't know if I can do this. I don't think I've heard of this movie. RRR, triple R, and it's a reference. They use it to reference various things through time. I can't remember now, but they'll stop all of a sudden. You'll see a big R on the screen and then a word will come forward with R in the word. Yeah. And that will be an emphasis for you to follow. But at first I'm going, I don't think I can do this because the sneering British, yeah, which is fair enough. I'm sure there were a lot of really bad colonial masters, yeah, but they're painted as a hundred percent pure evil. Like there's nothing redeeming about them. So it's not as, I don't know, but anyway, it is that kind of movie. It's a good versus evil movie. And from that perspective, once you're into it, it's pretty fun. There's some great special effects and scenes and rescue scenes where they rescue a little boy who's on a coracle in the river and there's fire burning him around him and they, they have to anyway. So it goes, <laughs> I don't want to get in too much detail, but it's good stuff. So it sounds like the Indian version of flying tiger, hidden dragon or whatever it was, hidden dragon fly crouching tiger, hidden dragon. There you go. That one sounds like the Indian version of that where it's I can't remember the plot of that one. Well, I can't remember the plot, but there was a lot of clearly, you weren't supposed to believe that the heroes were flying 50 feet through oh, the air. Yeah. There's some, supposed yeah. to accept that in this movie, they're going to do that. And then the same in that, that that guy, you're not supposed to believe that an individual police officer could fight off 50 people at once, but in this movie, he's going to do it. Yeah. And he's not really the same, you know, like yeah. there's a, it, it's fantasy. It's fantastic. It's distinct, but yes, in that aspect, it is very similar in that you just need to suspend some disbelief and enjoy the show. Yeah. I think it's great. It's it's on Netflix. Oh, geez. Well, maybe I'll have to check it out. RRR. It'll be a welcome change from the trash I generally have been watching. I don't know. There's aspects of it that are... Maybe I haven't watched Bollywood movies since they used to show up on cable all the time and they wouldn't even have subtitles half the time. And you'd be watching, yeah. you'd be watching them dance, talk to each other, and you didn't even need the subtitles to know what was going on. Yeah. And even if you had them, you would be no more or less interested. It's just whatever, you know, they're saying stuff. I don't care what it is. But I love the dancing, the, yeah. the bowling pin style setup. you know? Yeah. I thought the Oscars were excellent. Jimmy Kimmel was good. I knew the next day there would be a whole bunch of reviews where they talk about how bad it was. Yeah, because Jimmy Kimmel got panned in the ones I saw. And he was really good. Huh. So it all it is is what are you going to do when you're a reviewer? Do you want to be thumbs up rich? No, you don't. You want to have a lot of really interesting negatives and downsides and so that people can go, huh, glad I didn't watch that. But the truth is, 
It was very entertaining. It rolled along quite well. He made the predictable jokes about the slap from last year's Oscars. Uh, the Will Smith slap. Yeah, no, I got you. I just was thinking. As he left, the final shot in the show was as he heads backstage, you see a big placard that was just like those placards we had used to have at Kaminko. It said, number of years with no incidents. Oh. Zero, zero, one. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that was great. They should just keep bringing that back every year. Yeah. Number of days without accidents. That's right. Well, then the stuff I saw in the next year, yeah, it said the jokes about Will Smith were predictable and clumsy. You know, you just kind of, mm-hmm. I think you're quite right. I think that you got to, I don't know if it's stir up outrage, but you definitely have to try to find something kind of remarkable to say something potentially controversial to say. Yeah. You can't just say it was nice. I mean, it's not Ricky Gervais, that level of shock, which is pretty fun too. Yeah. But it's Jimmy Kimmel. And I think Jimmy Kimmel's writers, because I tell you, it just looked like he was doing another monologue, Yeah, but it was pretty good. That's all any of them ever do. I think it's just a question of how well they mask the preparedness. And the music was good, you know, and they, I thought it was good that they had 10 best movie nominations because that let them show 10 basically trailers. They did work in more commercial aspects than ever because all of us are fast forwarding past the commercials. Yeah. So what would happen is towards the end of a segment before a commercial, there'd be a couple people walk up just like they're presenting an award and then they would talk about sony studios and you know it's sponsored Mm. and they'd say these are kind of the movies that are coming out of the sony but then they'd be entertaining trailers and you could tell that they're good movies so you go you just shrug and you go hey i'm fast forwarding past the commercials i don't mind that they're somehow keeping this show going by showing me what is promotional material like I don't care. I don't care if a if in a movie someone t- carefully turns a Coke can towards me and holds it and looks and smiles when they drink it. Jeez, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I've got more processing to do on that because I find myself, my my initial response is resentment. You know, like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not. Why would they? And of course, the realistic answer is because they got to pay for this somehow. They got to pay for it. Nobody's going to pay $5 to watch the Oscars. No, I am certainly not. I'm I mean, not even... it is one big promotional thing anyway. Yeah. Yes. Boy, oh boy. If you win an Oscar, even if you get nominated for an Oscar, the sales bump is, is huge, but winning. Well, your career, if you're that person, I think your career is set. I was doing a good job of predicting. Oh yeah. I'd turn to Sue and say, yeah, so-and-so is going to win this. And I'd usually often be right. I think I was wrong a few times. Well, I, I, yeah. I predicted the, the guy that was in the whale, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. I predicted that he would win because I'd read somewhere that, Hey, if you have to wear prosthetics, you're going to win. <laughs> well, it used to be my thing used to be, I don't know. It was just me, but there's all those movies like monster with Charlize Theron that's her name. Yeah. And she had to wear prosthetics. I think she actually gained a whole bunch of weight. Like yes. any movie where the actor gains 60 pounds yeah. and then loses it again, they always go on and on about, oh, commitment to the craft and, and they, they're 
Like, it doesn't even matter what kind of job they do in the movie. The fact that they put on 60 pounds and then lost it again is a huge thing yeah. in terms of... Are and they- Brendan Fraser gained a lot of weight for that one, yeah. too. And because he plays a morbidly obese person, and they did prosthetic makeup five hours at the beginning of filming and all this stuff, right? So dedication to the craft and all that. But you're right. I mean... It's not talent. It's uh, just I can sit there for five hours while somebody puts makeup on me. Yeah. I, I think I think dedication to the craft should be a factor, right? Eh, KJ? Like when you when you have to shave your beard off, that's dedication to the craft. Ah, isn't it? Uh-huh. You should get points for that Thanks right Thanks for away. noticing. Mm-hmm. Corey didn't. Oh. I just did this morning. Did you really? <laughs> Well, when I came in, I thought, geez, you're looking younger. And I was going to say something, but there was no break in the action. In the buddy action. Yeah, well, whatever. KJ's back. He's been uh, wrangling. He's been wrangling for the last 20 minutes. Oh, speaking of beards, just apropos of nothing that we've talked about, I was riding down Victoria, just over here on the other side of first yesterday. And I'm going along and... I hear a voice and it's the guy with the, the old guy with long white hair and a long white beard who checks your admittance at Costco in Burnaby. <laughs> Every year, I think this guy would be a natural Santa in any department store. And there he was standing in the street talking to his neighbors. He was wearing his Costco hat. You didn't recognize his voice though. And yeah, the- yeah. He was talking. I could recognize his voice because he says hi Usually really indifferent. Like he just doesn't care. Right. You know, he doesn't. Oh, wow. When he was talking to his neighbors, I actually looked, I almost waved, which was, and then you I thought, should, man, you that's should weird. pull up and ask for his autograph. Yeah. That'd be cool. Hey, aren't you the Costco admitting guy? Yeah. I don't know what he would have said. Anyway, sorry. That was just neither here nor there. Not my phone. Um, skinny. Yeah. Just put your, pull your hands away. He, he's just looking for hands. Okay. So Richie. Yes, sir. You like mixed drinks. I do, I do. Well, in the uh, show that I'm about to do, buddy, come up here. So this is his last, this is his last non-neutered appearance in the Shed Dogs. Yeah. Oh, this is his last appearance in the Shed Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. You're going to shoot him? That is no, it. I'm putting him away when the Shed Dogs are happening. He's going to have him in care. Oh. Oh, because it's Mondays. But, uh, but. Well, um, no, if it, you know, if worse comes to worse, I'll find a daycare. Once he's neutered, I can go anywhere, right? I'll oh, find a, an right. open daycare on Sundays. Right, right, right. Oh, it's too much. The glamour of strangers is just too irresistible. Yeah, Richie, in this show that I'm about to do, I have a monologue. And while I'm doing the monologue, I make a drink that I make every night before I go to bed. I take a drink with me up to my room. Okay. So I'm asking for suggestions. You need some consulting? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know that it has to do with, um, I don't know that there's anything. I'm a doctor. Would okay. have been my profession. I assume I'm retired. Yeah. And I don't know if you have to, uh, if there should be any hints of Chekhov or Russia or anything. It's not set in... It's set here today, but he just makes a drink, and it should be fairly detailed. But it is a Chekhov play? No? Well, it's based on the seagull, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to say because you're retired that you don't want a shaker drink. You know, it's kind of 
a young bartender is what you think of nice. when you're doing the shaking. I'd say you want a stirred drink. Oh my goodness. And are the set people all familiar with the right materials for making a drink? I will demand my own materials. Okay, because you're going to want, and I have some materials to give you if you want, you know, because I can, I can live without my stirring spoon. Oh, no, they'll find whatever I need. Okay, well, you want a, a tall stirring spoon. Twisted? And- yeah, it's twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, and then you're going to need to practice a little bit of how to use it so that basically the twisting causes the spoon part to circle around the outside, staying parallel with the tangent, you know, at the outside. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it means you can stir up the liquid without really jumbling the ice too much together to release too much water so you can really? ch- you can chill it down a bit without I just without having too much meltage going on so i recommend stir not shaken because it's a young person's tom cruise behind the bar juggling and stuff nice. shaking nice. but for this you know you're an older gentleman in uh playing to type i might say I just want you to know, I would be happy to shake my drinks. Damn it. <laughs> Jesus. I, I think you're completely wrong. You don't have to shake it like some circus performer. You just shake it. I recommend an old-fashioned, KJ. An old-fashioned. Oh, I knew yeah. you were going to do that. Don't you have to have those globe-shaped ice cubes? No, for, that's, that's only if you're a hipster. That's a sidecar? Yeah, I got a props team behind me. They can make me anything. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you do that. Well, in and, and fairness to everybody, even myself, having those would be <clears throat> ritual rich, right? You'd have to always, once a week, you'd have to be sure. Time for me to make the round ice cubes. Put them maybe in the I fridge. could do that earlier in the show. Yeah, you could just slip in. You could just load up so much business around this stupid drink, they'd fire you. It'd be great. Because our globe ice cubes are in a group of four. So we pull it out of the freezer, and so you can you can take them and put them in a container, put that in your fridge. Container, and then and then when you're pulling it out of the fridge, of course you're going to have tongs. <laughs> of course, of course, silver preferably. Yeah, but, and they're not uh, to be used for anything else. What is an old fashioned? It's a oh. so what you got bourbon? Is, uh, yes, bourbon's fine. Oh. Yeah, I use scotch, but bourbon is probably more accurate. I just love the way RJ just jumps right in. So what you got right away? <laughs> Sorry. You're going to have your Angostura bitters, which are the most popular bitters known. Like the Angostura is the classic brand. Uh, you're going to do about three shakes in there. You're going to have a little simple syrup, which you can pour out of the bottle. I mean, you can make it yourself, but I think having a bottle of simple syrups probably. All right, what's simple syrup? Damn it. Well, it's quite simple, actually. <laughs> yes, thank you. I was willing to take that one. I knew going in I was going to have to take that one. One cup sugar, one cup water. Bring it to a boil, you're done. Oh. Stir it, you know, stir it a little bit. But basically the sugar completely becomes part of the water, and that, that is the syrup. The sugar will never regranularize. It's just done. You've, yeah. you've made it. You don't saturate it. It's just... Yeah, I guess I guess that's it. But but you can also buy that. Of course you can. Yeah, and you know I buy it because all the recipes tell you you can make it and keep it in your fridge for up to a month. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I buy one bottle and it's good for two years. Nowhere on the bottle does it say keep it in your fridge, and nowhere on the bottle does it say you, you can't use this past this date. 
But are you saying all this by way of justifying why you buy it? Yeah, because I don't want to make some. I have made it. Yeah, but you could make like eight liters and stick it in there and it'll keep forever, Um, just as you've described. You don't even have to stick it in there. It just warns you not to do that. So if I trust it, it says don't keep it in the fridge for longer than a month if you make it yourself. That's the recipe, but the bottle of the stuff that you buy doesn't say that. So big, simple syrup tells all the recipe guys they got to say it goes bad in a month. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, I tell you, it must be dog with a bone day for me or something, but why the hell wouldn't you just make it yourself then? It is dog with a bone day for you. (laughs) Why wouldn't you just make it? All day, all session it's been like this. (laughs) I just don't understand why you would like, oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> why you would just make it yourself? Like, well, why would you my, buy my it? My suspicion is that in theory, at the big simple syrup factory is super germ-free. When you do it on your oven, I mean, <sighs> you do bring it to a boil, but presumably when you pour it into the bottle, maybe you didn't sanitize that bottle. I don't really know. For whatever reason, they um, say don't leave it for longer. Richie, than how often would you have an old-fashioned? Holy Dinah. I I did have them more often for a while. I haven't been mixing myself a lot of drinks lately. But what is more often? I was having one every week, maybe. And Sue likes them a lot too. Yes. Okay. One a week, and but an old-fashioned is the kind of thing where if someone was a regular drinker, they'd have one a night. You know, if they still, yeah. how much? I mean, how? Oh, I guess. If you're just making one cup of water and one cup of sugar, I guess that's not a lot of yeah, liquid. Yeah, simple syrup you, is one teaspoon. I put one teaspoon of simple syrup in one of these Yes, drinks. but th- I mean, you could almost go through that homemade sugar in a month. That yeah. amount if you were drinking every day. He's on team dog bone over there. I make... Uh, <laughs> you make a cup and a half of simple syrup because the, the sugar is actually... Half as dense as water. So anyway, it ends up being a cup and a half worth of syrup. And so you got four tablespoons per quarter cup. That's 16 per cup. So you got to add another eight. You got 24 tablespoons, but that multiply that by three. So you got uh, 60, 72 teaspoons. So I'm going to need 72 nights to to make my way through this batch. Go over the bottle. Sorry, Ken. I think this is the most (laughs) oldest guy five minutes we may ever have spent in the shed. (laughs) That was just awesome. (laughs) Oh, my God. And honestly, the whole, my real objection is just cheap. Like, why would you buy it? It's just dead easy. There's no preservative. It It is dead easy. Like, why would you buy it? But you're right. It was like a buck 97 for a bottle or something. I don't know. It's funny as hell. uh, um, our little red warrior actually that was his drink of choice in the bar oh it was the old fashioned yeah yep <laughs> I don't know why but do we see the bartender we probably don't in the little red warrior no no after this is after hours oh oh in okay. real life that was his choice okay. not in the show <laughs> alright <laughs> Well, I mean, you guys had one that time that Cam and... Yes, taste of gasoline is fresh in my mind. <laughs> no, you're thinking of the other drink. The sidecar? The Sitiker. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sicario, uh, uh Not for me. Just not No, for me. you're thinking of the the cognac. 
You're the cognac the was actually okay. Those mixed drinks, particularly the one with the big round cube in it, I just didn't like it very oh, much. Oh, okay. okay. Did not care yeah. for it. I just, I've never been a, <clears throat> a liquor guy, really, mm, honestly. Yeah. Beer, yes, liquor, no. Mm. And liquor, yes, beer, no, largely. Except unless I have a, like a really mild lager. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's your your go-to. I mean, there's other similar, like a Manhattan. That's what Glenn's dad had every night. One Manhattan every night after he got home from work. Did he? Yeah, involved Angostura bitters as well. Go with a uh, mojito. Mojito but, seems like a younger drink to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've got a lot of age-related mm-hmm. things here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't drink mojitos really ever, except for when I'm in Cuba once in my whole life. <laughs> But I certainly didn't feel all youthful and vivacious because I was holding a mojito. I just thought, this is a tasty. I, I just don't Mojitos understand. Hmm? That, isn't that f- fresh mint? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a leafy kind of a drink. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Darn tasty, but the, I mean, there'd be a lot of overhead in that. <laughs> well, just the mint. RJ had them for a while, and getting the mint that tasted decent in the drink was a thing. That is a liquor drink that I really do like. Is you put some sugar down on the bottom, right? And maybe put a little lime juice into that sugar. Then you take those mint leaves, put mm. them on top of that and just crush them. Mm. Crush them right into the sugar and and lime juice. Yeah. Darn tasty. Though, That's your base. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm 55 again. It does. Because <laughs> it's a young drink. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Well, I'll see what the upper echelons come up with. Yeah, and let, or, uh, let them know I'm available for consulting. Yes. I can show up and oh. we can even go over, you know, let, what would you do to mix it. Nice. And see, if for you got fee. the call and you were wearing a Shed Dogs t-shirt, that would be Right. The and best. I don't require any pay, although that might break some union rules. Um, no pay, but a little special thanks. You always want credits. In this program? Uh-huh. Yeah. Get yeah, in the credits, great. RJ. That's... Yeah. It's the only thing guys like us can do, get our name in the credits. Maybe I'll just get it in there anyway. Well, most of my info, can, you know, it might not be the original drink, but uh, most of my info comes from one of the shed dogs. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, it sounds like the shed dogs are texting me. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, sorry about that. Did you butt dial him? No, but I was referring to our conversation the other, I can't even remember what we were going on about. But you said, hi, Moby, and I realized, oh, my God, we're driving him insane. <laughs> it made me laugh, and I'm sorry I didn't respond. <laughs> I don't even know what. But I, I said, I sorry. I said, sorry for all the beeps, Moby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I suddenly realized, oh, God, he's right. We're just driving. I think it was the Gilligan thing. <laughs> little buddy. I was trying to work in little buddy, but there wasn't a good opening. Willie Gilligan. I never knew that. Willie. Yeah, that's right. And it's in the pilot and the pilot didn't air. Which is kind of crazy. But you can watch the pilot now because it was included on a DVD release. And so it's, so it's available. And the skipper had some crazy name too. Jonas something. Oh, right. Yes. uh, I don't know if that was ever mentioned. No idea. Yeah. I wonder if the pilot mentioned all of them. And maybe like one of the two women wasn't in the pilot. They, you know, they kind of settled on that after the pilot, I think. I'm going to say Marianne. Yeah, probably. She's the least cartoonish. 
Well, she's also the one with the least definite kind of role or profession. She's her role is girl next door. Yeah. There's a doctor, there's a millionaire, there's a starlet, there's the millionaire's wife. Right. And, and then, then there's Marianne. Yeah, what is they she? Just, they she's, just say her name, right? Yeah. Yeah. But is she a teacher? Is she she's a girl next door? Oh, I love the AI. Uh, oh yeah, right, right. I was talking she, to the AI about that. She corrected herself and said, "Oh, I have that in my database now." That's right. And then what are you guys talking about? You told Chat GPT to take note of the fact that Gilligan had a first name. I love correcting Chat GPT because <laughs> it it often will say, "Oh yes, I." Sorry about that. Something, some kind of response like that. But I corrected chat GPT on one thing and it turned out I was wrong, but it still said, okay, I'll make note of that. And then I asked it the same question. It gave me the old answer, which was correct, but I thought was wrong. Uh Anyway, it, it kind of stuck to its guns on that, even though it had said something. Did you re-ask about Gilligan's first name? Yeah. Well, let's just see what we said about (laughs) Gilligan. I got to go look in the shed doggies. Well, I'm certainly pleased that there's some electronic appliance that will allow you to be right all the time. Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'll make a note. Uh, Oh, that's unbelievably wise of you. I'll take that down. My goodness, you must be the scion of intelligent things. Jeez, I'm having fire problems today. Are you guys frozen in here? Yeah, pretty cool. I'm fine. You know, but I'm I'm pretty robust. I'm kind of a man's man. (laughs) And so, you know, you guys might feel cold, but, uh, Hey, I want to ask our listeners how many of them would buy t-shirts if we sold them at a reasonable price. So now I'm asking how many of you would, I don't even know how many people listen to this podcast anymore. Do you guys, any ideas at all? Is it like 50? No, I don't know. More than three. uh, But, uh, I have got to the bottom of this Gilligan thing. So. I say to chat GPT in Gilligan's Island, what was the skipper's name? And she says in the TV show, Gilligan's Island, the skipper's name is Jonas Grumby. He was played by actor Alan Hale Jr. I say, what was Gilligan's first name? In the TV show, Gilligan's Island, the character Gilligan's first name is never revealed. He is always referred to simply as Gilligan. The show's creators intentionally left his first name a mystery as it added to the character's charm and humor. And then I say to ChatGPT, I checked Wikipedia and his first name was Willie, mentioned in the pilot. The pilot didn't air but was released on DVD, so we can consider it official. This is me telling. (laughs) Taking on a little bit of ChatGPT's tone there, aren't I? (laughs) I don't know why you didn't say, I think you'll find. (laughs) Like what? You missed your chance. She says, I apologize for the incorrect information in my previous response. Oh my God. You are correct that in the unaired pilot, she says unaired, right? You're correct in that the unaired pilot episode of Gilligan's Island, Gilligan's first name is revealed to be Willie. I appreciate you bringing this to my attention and for the updated information. Thank you. So now we already had these really significant fears and concerns about what chat GPT was going to mean. You know, it's going, there's going to be disinformation. There's going to be kids cheating in school. There's going to be people who can't afford computers that are just a wild disadvantage. And we have to add to that the fact that it's going to create monsters like Rich. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. You were right. And I was wrong. How foolish of me. 
You can probably order a special version that'll go on for like five minutes in that vein, you know? I should have known better. After all, I have access to all the world's knowledge, and yet somehow I missed that, and you didn't. That's incredible. Just, you know what? We should just, there's a million, that's my money-making idea for this week. Get a, just something that goes with the app that allows it to really feed your ego. (laughs) Right. Is it a little cold in here? would ask stuff like that. Yeah. Just, and just <laughs> let it go on and on and on. stroking your And, ear. and, uh, addresses you by name too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, then it won't be too long before it's, uh, I'm sorry, Dave, I can't do that right now. It'd be great. Yeah. That is pretty fun though, that in real life, it really does go out of its way to be obsequious. Like the way those responses were written is pretty, you know, like, I apologize for missing that. Yeah. And I, I asked it again, what was Gilligan's first name? Still in the same thread though. Yeah. And it answered it better, but it kind of started from scratch in a way. It said Gilligan's name was never, you know, revealed. And, uh, however, in the pilot episode, which didn't air, you know, so it kind of yeah. gave a new summary that was, uh, so I'd be curious, actually, if you guys would ask it that now. I think it kind of learns in your sessions, but then it discards. Because for one thing, it can't really trust what you said, but it might be able to verify using, because it was only trained up to 2021, right? So it doesn't search new web articles, for example. Um, so I don't know. I kind of wonder, though, like that whole business of the perception we're having is that you added to its knowledge base by telling it about Willie Gilligan and the unaired episode, which it was then maybe able to verify, maybe not. I don't know. Mm. But somewhere deep in the bowels of some gigantic machine, maybe, there's a little note added to say, okay, well, now we know. These are sources you should check. Whenever you're asked about Gilligan's Island, you should now check the contents of the DVD version that was released because it has information that Wikipedia didn't have or whatever sources you're using. And you wonder if that's true, if it is able to take what a user says, verify it and make a note to add to something, at what rate is it improving or increasing that? Well, let's just see if it even remembers for me. Like I'm using my ID here. What was Gilligan's first name? Gilligan, the main character from the television show Gilligan's Island, was never given a first name throughout the entire series. He was simply referred to as Gilligan. So she's completely forgotten the extra little nuance that I fed her. Because I think the way GPT-3, which is chat GPT, was trained right up till 2021. They wanted to get it nice and stable. They don't want people giving it information that's not true. And then it then it uses that information to talk to other people. I think that's why its knowledge is pretty well fixed. Now in the thread, I can tell it stuff, which it will acknowledge and learn for that particular thread for that conversation. And that's, that's how Cam's using it. Like he, he gets output and he feeds that output right back in plus some changes. And so he can, he can get use out of a single thread but it looks like it doesn't really learn. Because uh, you could imagine, you could just tell it that, you know, the Jewish people are behind the global finances. 
you know, and you can you could point it at some web pages that postulate that. Well, this is what I'm thinking about and his Dan conversation exactly. So this. that yeah, the Dan is all one session. Yeah, it's not universal. No. You can't tell it. Go include in your research sources of information that you didn't know about before this. You have to tell it and it will use it in that session. Yeah. Interesting. See, that's somewhat reassuring. Well, I mean, GPT-4 is is out in beta now and all bets are off with that. That thing's mm. just crazy, like way, way beyond. GPT-3 scored like 20 on the LSATs. Is that the legal exam? Yeah. And then uh, GPT-4 scores 95% on it. Ooh. And it has not been trained on the questions that are in the actual law exam. It's been trained on law texts. Yeah. And, and perhaps other tests maybe, but not the legal exam. So these questions are new to GPT-4 and it scores 95%. Better than almost any human will ever score on the legal exam to get accepted into law school. See that uh, her answer to your question about Gilligan made me think, oh, ChatGPT has actually looked it up somehow or verified it somehow before getting back to you. Fascinating. But anyway, there's there's stuff on, we'll do it in a future episode, but GPT-4, they have managed to get it to try and take over to do things HAL-like, like HAL 9000, yeah. GPT-4, They've connected it to a different server and it managed to take over that server and run it and it was disobeying the human and all kinds of stuff, right? Like, Well, my first thought when you said that the version four of GPT got a 95% in the LSATs was, well, why wouldn't I engage it as my lawyer then? That's exactly it. Like, why wouldn't I just say, you know what? I'm in this situation. What should I plead? And it'll just tell you based on precedent and law, this is what you should plead. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Like, or what would I argue? And it should just tell you, you could argue that in such and such case, then such and such, and you could support. Right. Why would you not do that? Yeah. And you could show up in court and, uh, there'd be you and there, there'd be your phone sitting beside you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Have you chosen to represent yourself? Well, you could say that. (laughs) Right. Seriously. Like you sort of think, yeah. Why would I not? Because if it's going to get a higher than any human score on the test to see whether you're fit to enter, the likelihood is it'll get a higher than any human score in any court or trial case, you know? The time has come, the sad, the wistful time when we all go back to our various and sundry homes, not to say hovels, and wait for the next chance we get to get together in the shed and talk. It's going to be a while, but we're pumping them out. You guys here in the shed, are you enjoying our uh, upgraded frequency of meet and talk? It's fantastic. It is. It's actually pretty good. It's a regular laugh riot. Are you still mid outro here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just listening to somebody out in the alley who sounds like they're wheeling a a large sized suitcase down the alley. Garbage (laughs) night. Uh, At any rate, it's that wistful time when we have to leave. And according to our individual schedules, it might be a while. Like we got one more in a couple of weeks and then it'll be a bit of a hiatus for us in real life. I'm feeling wistful. Are you, KJ? Oh, really wistful. They're not being sincere here. (laughs) I'm earnest. (laughs) No, you're not. You're rich. 
uh, you're not actually rich. You're well off. Um, yeah. Oh, just give us the rim shot for sure on that. Yeah, there'll be a hiatus for us, but there'll be none for you. You won't hear any real let up in the steady flow of fascinating company we offer you. Audio only, but you could make it real if you just ask us. Because our production team has a spreadsheet. Yeah, that's right. We are, uh, we're a real, there's a lot of business going on behind the scenes here. People in ties and suits. How many of you would buy those t-shirts that the marketing guys are pushing us to get? How many? Think that over. Let us know. Take care of yourself. And uh, we'll take care of ourselves and talk soon. And Buddy, Buddy will be a changed man when we next Mm -hmm. get together. That'll be interesting. Take care, all.